You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guests and hear their story. Emma, welcome to Real Faith Stories. I'm very excited to have you on the program today. It's great to be here. Thanks so much, Brian. It's just lovely to spend time with you. I'm sensing a South Texas drawl. Is that where you're from? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, clearly not. Clearly not. No, so I, I, one of the funny parts about having an accent after you've lived all over the world, you're not quite sure what you sound like to anybody anymore. But I was raised in Britain. I spent um, several years living in Australia and then the Middle East and Africa. And now I've been living in the United States now for eight years. So depending who I'm talking to on social media, folks think I sound American, Australian, British, something else. I really don't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about yourself, your career story, kind of your backstory and growing up. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a very, a pretty rural part of Britain in a small market town, nothing particularly exciting about that and went off to university and eventually became a lawyer and attorney and for quite some time I worked in the city of London and then when I was a few years into my career a number of circumstances came together and I had the opportunity to move to Australia to take a position working in-house with a major technology firm and that was you know, very appealing to me. I hadn't traveled beyond Europe very much prior to that. And here was an opportunity to go and live somewhere. I'd I'd heard a lot about this place called Australia, very beautiful, lots of scary wildlife. But here was an opportunity to go and, and pursue my career in foreign climes. And when I got onto that aircraft, it was at a point in my life where personally, things have been pretty difficult for a while. And I was really ready to just go somewhere new and do something different. While I was there, I just had the most fantastic time, not just enjoying my career and making great new friends in this amazing part of the world and traveling all over Asia and and to California. But I actually really, for the first time in, in my life, found myself really examining my relationship with Jesus in a very new way. And I came to understand that there had been, there was a lot that I had experienced that was difficult and not right, but that he had me in his arms the whole time. And that each step of my life, kind of like the footprints story, Mm -hmm. at each step of my life where I had felt totally alone, as if I was totally screwing up, he had in fact been there and carrying me and holding me. And so that at that point around 2005, I really kind of rededicated myself to him and said, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes in full surrender to live a life that you created me for, that is what I want to be known for and what I want to be about. Wow. So after four years, he took me to Dubai for a, a job. And while I was there, again, big change. You know, I met my husband. um, We got married. We had two beautiful children. And 
I worked, I entered a company to to help them transform their culture. They really struggled. They were doing a lot of work in Afghanistan and in challenging parts of Africa. And they had got themselves, I think, into quite a lot of trouble and were under investigation. And all of this was soon to become public knowledge. And so my job was to go in there and help clean up, help to bring the right culture, help to bring some processes. And it was an incredible, just an incredible experience all around to to work in that kind of environment, doing the kind of project that I just love to get my teeth into. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, focusing on the people in the organization. You know, how do we build a culture where people feel appreciated, they pe- feel valued and they feel seen. And we can together build a culture that sees this company likely to be successful in every way. We've, we were successful in doing that. And in 2013, I think it was, my husband and I made the decision, you know, with two tiny children, we needed to, we needed to come home wherever home was going to be. And so we moved back to the United States of America, which is where he he had been a citizen for some time. We planted here. We I continued to work for the the same company for a while, helped them through their legal issues, and that led to ultimately an opportunity to do what's called a management buyout and purchase what was left of that company after that was all done. We really we really made our home here. And, and 2017, it was I became a citizen congratulations really been a thank you it's an immense privilege immense privilege and you know the that's one of the things i'm proud of from the last four to five years as is you know being part of standing up a phenomenal organization that kind of rose from the ashes of of that company I've been working for in Dubai, we were able to work with investors and partners and to really take what was left, put it into a new organization and then grow that business over the years. So it's been a busy, I would say the last 11 to 15 years have been incredibly exciting and incredibly busy. But the thread running through all of it is that at every stage, I've just been honors and privilege to see my relationship with Jesus just grow and grow and grow Mm. and to understand more of who he is and more of who he created me to be in my whole life, whatever it is that I'm doing. I'd like to circle back on the moment you decided to do a deep dive and examination of your life and you recognized that even in the most difficult situations, Jesus was carrying you through them. What was that like when you saw that for what it was? It was very humbling and very profound. I think I had grown up surrounded by faith, but a kind of cold Christianity where Jesus was certainly present, but God was kind of there with this big stick to beat you if you got things wrong. And very much a culture of of guilt and shame Mm -hmm. and um certainly not much of the Holy Spirit and all the amazing things that he brings. And so I grew up a little afraid of God, to be honest, and just aware of everything in my life that was a mess, every tiny mistake, every bad thought, every error. And parts of my early life, I had also experienced some pretty profound trauma. 
And for the longest possible time, I felt that it was all my fault. I felt that everything that had happened to me and everything that I had experienced was, there must be something wrong with me. It must be my fault. And obviously, as anyone who's been through those kind of early childhood experiences can testify, you know, when you start your life that way, it it just becomes this rotten core of limiting beliefs and pain out of which you make other difficult decisions or other wrong decisions or other other sinful choices, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So when I got to that place on my knees, and I must have been in my, I guess, my early 30s, where I had this just profound sense of this just cannot be the truth of the cross, cannot be that I continue to feel this way that I continue to carry this burden. I ask myself the question, surely surely isn't the truth of the gospel that Jesus died to take all of this away so I could actually live in freedom? And in that moment, I realized I actually hadn't believed that at any stage until that point. And so I had to re, I guess, hand in again, hand in again, all of the past, all of the pain, all of the difficult or sinful decisions or lifestyle choices all of it and just say, Father, you know, I accept again what Jesus did on the cross. I accept that he did that for me, but I also accept the truth of why he did it, which was to bring me back into relationship with him and to set me free for the rest of my life. And it hasn't been easy since then. There's a lot of work to do with him. I felt for the first time that things that have burdened me were actually starting to lift off one by one, one layer of the onion at a time, I was starting to see his healing touch permeate all of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the immense grace of God is that he can do it in an instant, in a flash. But actually, when you've been badly broken, that would almost be too dramatic. It would be very difficult to accept and very difficult to deal with. And I just look back and see his kindness and his love and his grace in allowing us to walk together in this story and journey of, and to do it at a pace that didn't break me. He never gave me more than I could handle. He never asked me to face more than I could face up to. And there were times I came pretty close. I mean, there were moments where I did break or did think I would break. There were days I didn't want to wake up tomorrow very profoundly. And he he saw me through all of it. And today I'm just, you know, so thankful to him. You know, I've had profound healing on both a physical and emotional level. And it's it's an absolute joy to be here and be alive and entering the second phase or maybe longer of my life. It all started with you getting on your knees and saying there has to be more to this, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Now that you're in this business that you did the management buyout, what is the name of that business? Um, It's called Valiant. Valiant. And what does Valiant do? So Valiant is a government services provider. We primarily operate in the defense services space, providing support for critical missions. Um, Incredibly proud of the organization. We have a great team around us all the way through the organization. We serve the United States of America. We serve our customers here 
and also some of the allied nations abroad. So a great and immense privilege to be in that position doing this kind of work. What's an example of one of the types of work you do that you can share? Oh gosh, that's there's so many um, projects and programs that we we're very proud of. Well, one of uh, the things that we do is when the U.S. Navy is afloat out in the Middle East, we are one of the providers of everything that the the ships need to sustain life on board. So we provide food and water and life pro- life sustainment products. So imagine a big ship and they always come as a flotilla sails up into a port you have to send requisitions for for maybe six weeks when they're out at sea and that can be millions of dollars of food and water and and coffee and candy and all the things that folks need so that's one of the programs that is really fun to be involved with that's no small thing emma no, it's not particularly not particularly not when the global supply chain is is a little challenging. One thing you cannot do is allow your armed forces to be without what they need, not for a moment, and mm-hmm. nor should we. So we have to find ways to make sure that the the products are in our warehouse and ready to go, and that whatever time of day or night the ships turn up, they can be supplied as they need. And one thing I've understood, we have, we have a few veterans, many veterans actually, who work with us, is that the last thing you ever want to do is send folks out into the middle of the ocean for six weeks without enough coffee or candy to sustain them. <laughs> that really is not helpful. <laughs> oh, I could see that. I wouldn't want to be away from my coffee for six weeks. That's for sure. No, absolutely not. <laughs> There's a couple things here that you mentioned in the notes that you shared with me prior to our conversation. Mm -hmm. One of those is the miraculous growth of Valiant from virtually zero to $800 million in revenue. Help me understand what happened there. That is mind-blowing. Yeah, no, it's been a, you know, and obviously the exact numbers are sort of, are not, we're not publicly traded, but we, we have had incredible growth and that's, that's a number of factors. First of all, we we work with incredible partners, our investors, our partners. They really are just the best of the industry and I think have been very supportive of everything the management team has needed and wanted to do. And that that's not necessarily a common thing, sadly. So they really do stand out in that regard. But also, I mean, we, we did a number of other acquisitions, which helps with the growth. And you really do have to do that in our industry and in our space. If you want to grow, you mm-hmm. have to have what's called past performance. And, and that comes from basically acquiring other organizations that have done that kind of work you're interested in pursuing. Mm-hmm. But then the other part of it is just everybody on the team rolling up their sleeves and being very passionate and very dedicated to working incredibly hard to find new business and win the trust of our customers and be in a position to deliver projects well. So, you know, I I think we have one of the best teams in the business. Everybody that's here is singularly focused on our customers and the need to give them exactly what they ask for and exactly what they need on time and within the cost limitations. And we've been successful in doing that. And I think the team themselves, everybody who works here is just so proud ultimately of what it, of the missions that we support and would not want to see anything go wrong, not for a moment. 
So that's, you know, the culture and the camaraderie of the team is critical to that success. Well, when you bring up the word culture, I can't help but think of how much has prayer, your prayer, and those of your associates played into the growth and the amazing things that have happened in this company. Can you share some stories, please? Yeah, sure. So for me, prayer is the lifeblood of absolutely everything. And quite often, as as many people in the business world will tell you, it goes on very quietly behind the scenes. There was there've been many times when we hit challenges or situations where I just thought there would be an impasse. You know, you look in the natural and you think, gosh, this is just something that this is a challenge that no one has has beaten before, or this is maybe a Herculean task that we're trying to to get done. And I'm not sure it's going to happen in the usual way. And in those moments, I've known that the only answer is is prayer. So, you know, an example of that would even be when we were, you know, years ago when we were looking at doing the management buyout, there were so many reasons why the deal that we were trying to do was really from the world's perspective, unlikely to happen. And lots of people told us we had all sorts of bankers and potential investors and advisors. And I think we even felt it ourselves on certain days. People would tell us, you know, this this is too hard. It's just too hard. There are too many very good and logical reasons why this shouldn't happen. And yet on the inside, I just knew that it had to and that we hadn't come this far for it not to happen, mm. that there were customers and employees who and families, depending on it happening. But you had a conviction inside this had to happen regardless of what you were seeing on the outside. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I cannot describe it as anything other than a conviction because there were days when, it, you know, you just thought, oh, gosh, it would, it would certainly have been easier to give up. And I, I just remember being on my knees so many times and saying, God, is this is this the moment where we, where I walk away or where we just don't keep going? And I, it was just resounding every time. No, push on, push on. And so on the day that we actually closed, again, a series of just amazing, amazing coming together of, of partnership and teamwork. It was, for me, it was really exciting to just be able to quietly in the car, driving back from where we'd had to deliver some documentation, just to be able to say, gosh, God, thank you. I, I really so many times hit the wall of wondering whether we would actually do this. And you made it happen. And it, I know it was prayer. You just, you hit the impasse. There was fervent prayer and then you broke through. When it comes to these types of impasses, I'm sure people listening are saying, oh my goodness, I deal with this over here and over here and over mm-hmm. here. What do I do when I reach an impasse like that with respect to prayer? So I have prayed all my life, different degrees of, of enthusiasm. And I wouldn't call myself a natural intercessor. But what I came to realize is you do not have to struggle on your own with these things. There are organizations now, there's Heaven in Business, uh, a ministry that Andy Mason Ring is, runs. There is Workplace Prayer, which is another organization run by Amy Lykosh and Bob Perry. And there are many other ministries like that 
where you can, as a Christian in the marketplace, as a Christian in business, you can reach out and you can get support whenever you need it 24 by 7 and you obviously don't have to share all of the confidential details that wouldn't be right but you can explain this is the kind of impasse I'm facing this is the kind of situation that's boiling over this is the kind of situation I'm handling that's really challenging and really tough and you can have people standing with you intercessing for you and for your business and for your organization. And there are just so many stories of businesses experiencing the miraculous. I mean, just just so many to share. And the reason this is exciting is I think many people don't have a problem asking God for healing or asking God for miracles in their family or their personal lives. But somehow I feel like for years, It was like the marketplace was somewhere that God could not go. It was dedicated to money and success and all the trappings of the world. And it was almost as if the marketplace was off limits. Mm -hmm. Like if you wanted to be a good Christian, go and be a teacher or be a nurse or do something or or a missionary, right? Mm -hmm. But if you go into business, wow, you're on your own. And we have come such a long way now to a place where we expect not that just that God loves business people and wants to see businesses thrive, but that there are signs of revival coming in a marketplace. There are signs of revival within businesses. And actually what we're looking for in the church, we're starting to see happen in the marketplace. And you've definitely seen that in your business. How long a period was it, Emma, from the time you started this management buyout and struggled in and out of uh, very difficult scenarios until it actually happened? What was the timeline? It was almost two years. And there were a lot of reasons why it took that amount of time. And, you know, when you're looking for people to work with you, you have an idea, but you need partners, you need investors, you need bankers, you need insurance brokers. There's a lot of people that have to be involved Mm -hmm. to bring a dream to reality. And it it took a long time to pull that team together to make it all happen. And that's a long period of time to to be on your knees (laughs) intensely. Why do you say prayer has been everything? Because for me, the way I the way I I define it is that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're right here all day, every day, and they're totally 100% accessible. And the way that we access, the way that we we build our relationship, the way that we connect into the power and authority that the living God brings is through prayer. And it's just, it's a conversation. It's a, it's a dialogue. It's sometimes it's powerful and it's what I call all singing or dancing prayer. Sometimes it's just that quiet help please just help me in this situation. It's the lifeblood that connects you to everything that our God offers us and everything that he wants to give us. So it sounds like for you, this is a a dialogue that's ongoing all the time as needed, because a reason I'm bringing this up, this question, is there are a lot of type A people that Mm -hmm. listen to this. I'm a type A individual, and I have had a performance mindset most of my Mm -hmm. life. And that relates to everything. What I struggled with was, gosh, did I pray hard enough? Did I pray long (laughs) enough? Did I pray Mm -hmm. the right words? 
Did I have the right emotional intent? You know, all these performance factors. Let's talk about that for a second. Have you ever dealt with that? Oh, absolutely. For the longest time. I mean, I, particularly in the circumstances in which I grew up, the only thing I felt I could do to win approval was to do well at school. And I often say the only thing that saved me was that I was smart. So I went into, I started my career with this, like, I have to keep striving. I have to keep striving. I have to get it right. And that is a very, very destructive mindset because the reality is nothing outside of God is ever going to be enough. So I've had to really just learn to say, hey, there, if I, well, let me put it this way. I grew up thinking that you had to start your day at five o'clock on your knees with a 30 minute Bible study and then 30 minutes in prayer. And you had to pray for everyone you could possibly think of, because if you didn't, they were going to hell and you were in big trouble and not nearly a good enough Christian. And that burden literally choked my quiet time life for years. Like I was more afraid of getting it wrong than of doing it at all. And so, again, God was this distant character who was going to be cross if I didn't pray in the right way or read enough of my Bible every day. Once I came to that profound understanding that, no, this is Jesus is asking me to be in a relationship with him. And obviously he wants me to talk to him, but he also wants me to listen. And that can be that dialogue, that continuing dialogue can be as varied and wonderful as he is and as he made me to be. And so there are times I just sit and soak in his presence for hours. And there are times when I'm driving, I've dropped the kids off, I'm trying to get my coffee, I'm late for a meeting, I'm freaking out because the traffic's bad. And it's just, I have worship music on and I'm just like, Lord, I like, I just need your help today. I need your help to like get there on time and get going. And I have I've learned to just have this continuing dialogue all day, just all day, all night, in quiet moments, in busy moments. I will sometimes just step out or away from something I'm doing just so I can say, hey, hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do in this situation? What do you want me to say in this situation? Do you have a message for the person I'm in a meeting with who right now looks like they want to hit me? How do I carry you into the room? How do I carry you into this situation? And that for me has been transforming because here's the message for all of us who are type A, we don't have to get it right. We couldn't if we tried. We just have to be profoundly in love with Jesus and doing our part to build a relationship with him. I love what you say. You don't have to get it right. It goes back to the comment of we're afraid of getting it wrong. You know, so much of the world that we live in, particularly today, is about stress right? Stress, pressure, anxiety, getting it right. What, you know, everything we say, do, think is scrutinized a thousand times over. The amazing thing about Jesus is he said, cast your burdens on me. That's everything. Just, just give it to him. Just, just give it all to him. I would suggest if our relationship with Jesus is stressful or angst ridden or feels like pressure, then we really need to go back to him on our knees and say, sure doesn't feel like this is how loving you should feel, Jesus. It really shouldn't. I should feel the peace that passes all understanding. I should be able to sense your presence and know that you love me and 
have no question deep, deep inside that while I may not be perfect and I may get many things wrong, that you, you love me and there's nothing I can do to switch that love off. This picture keeps coming to mind, Emma, as you're saying that, of just relax your grip and let your arms down to your side. Yeah. I, I was reading recently, I think a pastor had been preaching, you know, just take your hand off the doorknob. Don't keep trying to push your way and open the doors. Just just let him open the doorway and then you just walk through. And mm. I think, you know, we're, we're almost conditioned, for, I think particularly in the Western world, that we need to strive to attain, to get, to be. And that's just not how it, it needs to be in the kingdom. That's just not how the kingdom is wired. We simply just need to sit at his feet and abide with him, be with him. Instead of maneuvering and trying to place yourself in positions where you think you're supposed to go next, mm -hmm. let God do that. Let him open those doors, yeah. right? That's a different Absolutely. mindset, isn't it? It is. And it's, and it's not always easy. I mean, being real about it, there are days, um, you know, particularly when you're looking at the future and you're, I, I ask myself, you know, I wonder what I could be doing in two years time or five years time. You know, there's this, the, the human part of me is like, well, if I do this or I network in this way, or I do this course, or yeah. I do an MBA or, you know, and, and it's very, very hard to go, no, hang on. When, when the time is right, I know I can trust God to open the doors that are the right doors for me to go through. And what I need to do is be listening to him and waiting on him and in a place where I can understand what he's doing when he does it. What would you say, as you look back over your life, is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you would, given the opportunity, would love to just share with the world? Wow, that's a very good question. I would really say that learning to really trust Jesus, to really trust him, no matter what you have been through, how you might have had your trust obliterated many times in your life. Maybe you grew up and never felt safe. And so as a consequence, you never trusted anyone in your life. When we can learn to trust Jesus and trust that he loves us and trust that his plans for us are good, and that he has a purpose, and that we don't have to perform for him. It feels like that sets you free from so much, and it just provides this opening for your life to be dramatically changed. Mm -hmm. I wish, with hindsight, that I had understood that far earlier in my life. It would have saved a lot of pain and heartache. Now, it's not that God can't take that pain and heartache and turn it into something good and use those experiences to help me help others. He does that. I really truly know that to be true. But it sure would have been nice to know it earlier on. You know, I just I just spent some time on a Christian executive retreat at a big church out in California. It was so wonderful to be in mastermind groups with young people, like people half my age who were already on fire for the Jesus in the business world and doing phenomenally well. Mm. And they were asking such great questions, questions I've been asking perhaps in the last four, five, six years. And I was like, wow, you know, how amazing to have clocked on to the truth of who Jesus is much earlier and to be actively not engaging in in a worldly culture from a much younger age. I mean, just phenomenal. So you don't have to do it all. 
You don't have to do a thing except trust in Jesus. You know, that brings to mind another picture that I've had in my heart since I was a child. And I've always had this picture of running through an open field with Mm -hmm. the sun on my face, smiling and just running full out and feeling God's pleasure. Have I lived that way? Honestly, it's been momentary. It's been, Mm -hmm. you know, seasons. But um, what you're speaking to really resonates with me about trusting him to the extent that that's the picture for me that Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy all the time. And it's there. It's really there. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. For me, I've had the picture a number of times in life of sitting under a waterfall, a huge, powerful waterfall, and just feeling that instead of water, it's like a wave of his love just pounding down over my head over and over and just sitting and feeling that the power of that, but also the refreshing nature of that. And, you know, obviously many times waterfalls are full of light and movement and energy and they're beautiful. And and that to me is the picture he speaks to me through. And, you know, at various stages in life where I've just needed that reminder in a more tangible way, it's always been through a waterfall. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone who's listening to this to tap into that picture God's given you with respect to what freedom is, because I believe he's dropped that in our hearts for sure. As we finish up, Emma, would you please pray for our listeners? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That would be a total pleasure. Father God, I just thank you uh, for who you are. I thank you for the incredible love that you have for every person listening to this podcast today. I thank you that you made them intentionally exactly the way that they are. And you did that for a reason, with a purpose in mind. But most importantly, that you created each one of us for the sole purpose of being in relationship with you so that we could enjoy each other, us and you. Father, I thank you that we don't have to do anything except accept that you are who you are and that you love us and that you died for us. And I pray for everyone who is listening today that they would come today to a fresh revelation of just how good you are and just how much you love them. And that in that moment, Father, something of who you are, the truth of what you offer would be imparted into their life and they would know a freedom and a healing and a sense of your presence that maybe they've never felt before. Father, we ask that you would do that for the listeners today. And we just thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you so much for who you are. We ask all this in your precious, precious holy name. Amen. Thank you, Emma. Sure enjoyed the conversation. It was wonderful. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.